Thank you. Wow, what a testimony. Thanks, George. That was, we appreciate, I, I just met George and didn't know that testimony. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, how life is messy. You know, it's messy. And when people give you those Romans 8.28 coffee cups, you know, don't you just want to, here. Thank you for that. So messed up world. It's a messy world. In April of 2004, we were in Baghdad. Our family was living there. We moved there to work as part of a team rewriting the curriculum of the Iraqi university system, which was quite a challenge. And, um, and on April, that month, we were sitting on the roof of the house we lived in in central Baghdad, the, what was left of our team. Because in March of 2004, half of them were killed in Mosul. Young, young team. One couple married two years. She survived, husband died, she survived. I, when I went to ID the bodies, the, I asked the Air Force doctor, I said, where was she shot? He said, that's not the question. It's where was she not shot? The only survivor of five. So what, do you, what do you pray on Easter Sunday after that? Like, yeah, the, the, the cliches don't work. You know, it's, so what do you pray? I was thinking about that today. What did we pray up there? Because that was in 2004, and, Look, it's 2016. What's the situation? It's kind of frustrating. One thing I do remember, though, there on the roof, we were up there watching the sun come up over the city. It's weird when you have the mosque singing, the Sunni on the right, the Shia on the left singing as the sun comes up on Easter morning. What is this world? Like, this is the real world. And we were praying, God, send us more people for our team. But not really strongly, because what if they do come? What are they coming to? But that's what we prayed. Lord, send us more people for our team. And, then, and so the Lord did. But I don't, know, I don't know if we communicated clearly to him. You know, sometimes the Lord just does the wrong thing. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, I know, it's scary to say that, but... Is there anywhere in the Bible where you've... I don't, if you read the Bible, I don't know if you believe the Bible, but if you've read it or heard about it... And have you ever read a story in there where God's telling the person what's going to happen and the person is like looking at the Lord like, I don't think you really understand what's happening down here. Do you ever... Is that anywhere in the Bible? It's the whole Bible! It's like it's always, everyone's looking at him going, what did he just say to do? That's the world we live in. And so we prayed for more people. Here, here's who he sent. So we get a call um, through, because we worked with an NGO there, through a different, different NGOs, because, and we worked with the provisional government there. And so we get contacted. We, we're sending two people to work with your team. So we lost five, we get two, okay. Um, and they're from China. 
okay. I don't remember asking the Lord for people from China, but that's all right, you know. I had something else in my mind. That's okay. Amazing back to Jerusalem movement in China underground, 100 million believers. That's a pretty good resource pool. Living under totalitarian government and all that, coming to faith. Okay, all right, that's, there'll be, there'll be soldiers in the kingdom. So, um, so we go to meet them, and, and so they arrive in Baghdad, and we go to meet with them, and so there's three guys. The two that came to work with us, and their translator. <laughs> Who's not staying, he's just there to make the introductions for two days, and then he's leaving. <laughs> So, uh, is it the, so the other guy is Thai, a guy from Taiwan, an American guy, Taiwanese guy, that, that has come because he said, I, you know, I felt bad for these guys because they don't speak English. And I said, you feel bad for them? <laughs> do, I said, do they speak Arabic? No. Okay. Do they know what country this is that we're in right now, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. They don't speak Arabic. They don't speak English. What do they speak? And then, you know, they speak... It wasn't even Mandarin. It was something more local. I don't even remember what it was because I didn't know what it was then and I don't know what it is now. So time hasn't helped. Um, so I said, okay. And, then, and so the, the translator, the American guy says, they need you to teach them how to talk to Muslims. In 48 hours, okay? <laughs> One secret that we've learned is they probably ought to be able to speak the same language as them. That would be good. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're not concerned about that. Oh, good, okay, good, that's fine, good. I didn't want to be concerned about it. That's fine, that's perfect. Yeah, they don't look concerned. So, so, so they come to stay at our house. Two guys. And I said, tell them to bring their bags and we'll, you know, we have a driver here. He said, oh, this is their bag. The two guys are standing there with one bag. It's not a bag. It's a purse or something. It's not a bag. A bag is. This was less than a bag. And they're each holding one handle. That's, the, that's their, how long, do they, how long are they going to be here? Forever. We're only here a year and we have a house full of luggage. Like, that. what's in that bag? All they need. What is it? Here's what's in the bag. Two pairs of socks, two pairs of underwear, and two dollars. And that's it. Like, that's it? Yep. They think that's enough. Wow. And if they need more... Listen to this crazy statement. God will take, God will supply it. You know, and I'm like, do they, they believe the Bible? Like, they, they take that literally? We don't. That's a metaphor or something. So, anyway, so, Okay. So they go to, we go to our, where we live, and they sit down. And every time I'm not talking to them, 
which was never, really. Every time I'm not addressing them through the translator, they fall asleep. And I, I said, let the guys go to sleep. They're exhausted. They came from way up in northern China. Let them, let them just rest. And he said, well, they don't want to rest. I said, they're falling asleep. He said, they're not sleeping. Just when you're not talking to them, they're praying. They're, they figure, if, you know, if they're not interacting with you, they might as well interact with God. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now the rest of the team's going to have to live like this. <laughs> and they're not going to like it. When I'm not talking to you, I want you in prayer. All right, the Americans are like, what? <laughs> so, okay, so they're praying. I'm, excuse me, sorry. So I said, well, can you just, just tell me what's their story? So here's their story. They're both which is just perfect. They're both pig farmers. Perfect, perfect. From n- northern China. Good. And um, th- their, their pastor in their little ha- underground house church did a talk on mission. And so here they are. How many talks? One talk. How many times? One time. Here they are. Wow. So these guys are literalists. That's what they are. They're like, it's like, you say it, we believe it, and we're going to go live it out. Okay. So their background is pig farming. Okay. All right. What's their strategy in Iraq? They're going to open up a restaurant. I was like, well, you know, I'm guessing if they're pig farmers, they're going to open a restaurant. Is that the cuisine? And they're like, yep. Okay, here's lesson number two. That's not going to work. <laughs> they said, okay, well, we'll just go around and heal the sick and raise the dead. <laughs> I said, that's good, because if you open up a pig farm, you better be able to do that. <laughs> You're going to be the first, too. <laughs> that's what they said. We're going to go around... And heal people and raise the dead. Now, you know, I want to be excited about that ministry. I do. You know what my problem is? Here's my problem. I don't believe in it. I mean, honestly, I don't. Before God, I would love that to be true, but, you know, aren't you, you know, you hear stories about that happening, well, whatever, you know. But this is what they've come to do. And this is what they believe will happen. And I was like, hold on a second. Lord, what am I supposed to do with these guys? And the Lord, this little nudging, learn from them. Learn from them. You know what those guys made me do just sitting there, sleeping, praying, whatever they were doing in there? You know what they were forcing me to do? Confess. They were forcing me into, me, I'm the leader, forcing me, I've been on, we've been on the, in the Muslim world world for years, they don't know anything that we know, we're strategists, we're, we've thought this through, we have a plan, we're experts in what we do, we've been training for this forever, what do they know? They know God. And I don't. And they forced me to confess. I don't believe 
you can be effective here with this kind of simple faith? Do you know the complexity of the situation here? Do you understand how complicated this is? And they were like, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Complex situations do not have to be complicated. We complicate them. Satan complicates them. We make things so complicated. Well, I can't believe that. Why? I'll give you a thousand reasons why I can't believe that. Here's the main reason I can't believe it. I'm afraid of the world. I'm afraid. What happens if I go out and try and heal the sick in Baghdad and it doesn't work? What happens? Who looks bad? I do. Isn't that what it's about? And I have to tell the truth to these guys. I have to confess. And I'm telling you, if you ever want to understand anything about God, you better be an expert in telling him the truth about what you think right here. That's called confession. Is not. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Confession is telling the truth, period. It's not bad. It doesn't have to be bad. I confess. I mean, like, I, you know, we're in Houston right now. I have to confess. I confess that I'm a Redskins fan. <laughs> Kill me. I, I know the name is horrible. I know, but I... I that's a confession. Confession is telling the truth about what you believe and what you've done and what you really think. That's confession. Here's the problem. Humans are expert professional liars. Right in the mirror. Oh, I'm an expert at this. Look right in the mirror and lie about what I think, what I really believe. These two guys were the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. What kind of a, I mean, if you don't believe in God, what kind of a God picks these kinds of people to send to the difficult situation we were in? Pig farmers from northern China that don't have any language ability, no strategy, no money, just faith? What kind of a God does that? This God, the true God. You know, I, I, you know how I know that? Because when I go back and I read Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, 14, 13, and 14, there's a place where Jesus comes, he's in this incredibly complex situation. You think our world is complex? Look at first century Jerusalem. It's, it's just as complex then as it is now. Roman occupation, movements of rebellion, and zealots, and, and Pharisees, and Sadducees, and Herodians, and all these political parties debating, insulting each other's wives. It's a complicated situation. <laughs> Trying to scare people into electing them. Let's make them afraid. Let's make them afraid. Then they'll vote for me. I will save the day. Wow. It was a complicated world. Jesus comes into this world, sent into this world, the Bible says, by God. Because all of the history of Israel is apocalyptic, and it's based on the idea that in this horrible situation of a world, one day the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to rescue us. And that's what they've been waiting for. And here he is in the Gospels. Here's the problem with him. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do. 
That isn't that frustrating? God. And so this Jesus, there's been other messiahs that have come. The problem with them is they die. They don't really accomplish anything. They sort of die and the whole thing goes away. One after another. How are we going to know when the real messiah comes? Oh, that's Easter, isn't it? How, what's the evidence that he's the real Messiah? How, how do we know he's really bringing the kingdom and he's the real king? How do we know? So Jesus comes on the scene. Some people believe him. Some don't. The leadership hate him because he basically says, ah, we don't need them. Okay, now they don't like that. No, we're the leadership. We're, we don't need you. You're wrong. It is, Yeah. And then he decides to pick a team. Have you ever seen how Jesus picks a team? It's like there's no strategy. There is, but at first it's like, don't pick him. Don't, do not pick him. Like if we were just going to play football, I wouldn't pick him. But if you're risking your life, I definitely wouldn't pick this guy. And so he, this is Mark 3, 13 and 14. It says this beautiful. It says, Jesus went up on a hillside. I love this. To call to himself, not to Christianity, not to a political cause, to himself. He called to himself those he wanted with him. Isn't that beautiful? What kind of leader is that? He, not people he could use. Not people he could take advantage of. People that he wanted to be with him because he's Emmanuel, God, with us. He's not a religious leader. Religions manipulate people, and people manipulate religions because we're afraid of the world. This is not that. This is the Messiah. This is the king has come. And he calls to himself to be with him those he wants to be with him. And it says this amazing statement. And this is critical. They came to him. That's huge. What if he called them to be with him and they went, I'm not interested. Then, Then they miss it. Like, no, we love our life so far. We love the world we live in. We don't want to change anything. This is going so well. And so he calls, and then it names who he calls. List the names of the disciples. The sons of thunder, you know. And then the last one he calls, Judas, Iscariot, the one who will betray him. You picked him? You picked the guy that's going to betray you? Yes, Why? Because he's the Messiah for everyone. All people, all nations, everyone. Not in my book. I would love to tell, I do tell God, God, let me tell you who you don't need to be concerned with. Those people over there. Just just forget them. That's how I think. But he's not like me. And so he calls these guys to him, these men, and then it names them, and, so, and, then, and then you start to read about these guys, these, these men. And, and they're like, my friend's from China. It's like, okay, who did you pick? Well, well let's see. It's like, okay, I need um, Jesus' plan. He needs, uh, he needs revolutionaries. He needs people 
that hate Roman occupation. Do you hate Roman occupation? No, I've learned to live with it. All right, I don't need you. Do you hate Roman occupation? Yes, I hate Roman occupation. I hate Romans. What do you want to do with them? I want to fight them in every way. Good, good, good. Get on, do you want to be on my team? Come over here. Good. I'm going to teach you how to beat Rome. Good. You're not going to like the way we do it, but you're, we're going to beat them. <laughs> we'll get to that later. So this guy's up there. The zealots in the group are like, oh, I know what he's... I know what he's going to do. I've been waiting for the Messiah. He's going to put us in charge, and he's going to kill every Roman. That's what we want, isn't it? Kill all of our enemies. That's the real king. That's the one I'm voting for, that one. That's how the zealots believe. That's going to change, because that is not the way the king works. That's the way humans work, and we don't need a Messiah. We can do that just fine. Hmm, who else do I need? What do you do? I work for the IRS. Get over here, I need you. <laughs> and the, other, the zealots are like, well, I actually want to kill Romans and people from the IRS. So per, this is really going well. So Matthew, IRS guy, get over here. There are certain skills there that are in these different people that unredeemed is horrible. But redeemed, oh, that's the beauty of the king. He takes a skill that's unredeemed, that destroys people, redeems it, and makes it redemptive to people around you. Can you do that with a person in the IRS? I can. Unbelievable. We've given up on them. (laughs) Who else do I need? I need some blue-collar. I need some fishermen. That's what I need. I had to get some of those guys. Peter... Peter, yeah, Peter. Goes to Peter. You know that story when he goes to, he's, ta- he's talking by the boats and Peter's down there doing what he does. This. Shh, shh, shh. Washing nets. What a life. Shh, shh. How often do you do this? Every day. Do not change this in my life. This is awesome. Shh. Just driving over here, you know, because I, I grew up here. Just love the traffic here. I do. I love it every day. Love it. Lo- I do. I love it. God, don't come in and change that part of my life. Don't. I'd rather not believe in God because I love sitting in this life every day. Shh, 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 shh. Do you want to believe in God? No, 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 no. Shh, shh. And, and Jesus steps onto Peter's boat. And when Peter lets Jesus step on his boat, his entire life changes. His entire life changes because the king stepped in his boat. Do you want the king in your car during the commute? The king? Or are you too busy not believing in him? Because if you ever let him in your car in a commute, your life will change. It will. You can't yell at other drivers as much. (laughs) So these fishermen, he says to them, if you will follow me, I will make you into who you are really meant to be. Here's the requirement. You must Follow me. To what? Just follow me. Because I want you to be with me. Why? So that you can be with me. Why? In order that I can do these transitions all day long. In order that you can be with me. Why? Why? It's, it's not, Jesus isn't tricking us. He's inviting you out of chaos and lostness into redemption in a world that's a wreck 
right now. It's not like he walks up to Peter or lame people or blind people. He goes, what, what, what is your issue? I'm blind. Okay, well, let me tell you. When you go to heaven, you're going to be able to see. Good luck! Like, what kind of message is that? What about right now? What about Monday? What about Tuesday, Wednesday? Does the king rule there? Yes, he does. But he has to be the king, and you have to tell the truth. And so he gathers these guys together. And so I just want to think, just for a couple minutes, because I'm going to do this in two parts, tonight and Friday. So I want to talk just tonight about Peter and Judas. These two, Peter and Judas, because they're very similar men. They're very different in how they view life, but they're humans. You know, don't, you can't read the Gospels like, you know, like it's a British movie or something. Like, I just wrote down in my notebook, it's not like Jesus is collecting people on Downton Abbey. You know, they always have English accents in the movies. It's like, were they all British? Like all of them? And it's, it's like in your mind, what's it? these are real people. They're actual people. And we look back on them and spiritualize them or demonize them or something like that. But they're real people. So let's think of Judas and Peter as real people. Like, so Judas. Judas was called by Jesus to be the treasurer. Now, if I'm going to call somebody to be a treasurer... I want him to be obsessed with certain things. One, money. Like, I wouldn't want a fisherman to be the treasurer. I wouldn't want the zealots to be the treasurer. I want a guy like Judas. Judas is a planner. He's quiet. He's a calculator. He is the... We would love Judas if he was telling us what he does. What do you do? Well, I plan financially for the future. I like you. Well, in case there's a, you know, something bad happens in the future, I think ahead. I plan ahead. So that no matter what happens, there's a financial gain. No matter what the market does, that we gain financially in the end. That's good stewardship. I like that. I'm all about good stewardship, aren't you? So I want a good steward. I want a guy that's so good with money, I don't even have to worry about it anymore. So that if I get fired or something, it's all there. I don't have to think about it. I need Judas. And so Judas, that's what Judas is. Judas, you're in charge of the money. Okay. You see, does he steal the money? Yes, but that's what people in charge of money do. <laughs> Part of it. How good are you at stealing money? I'm really good. I want you. Don't steal from me, steal from everyone else out there and make my thing grow. That's what we want. Like that. So it says he's selfish. And you know, like when this passage in John where, where the, the lady comes in and dumps the oil on Jesus' feet and Peter and them are like, whoa! That's how Peter is. We'll get to him in a second. He's like, what's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life? I, that's fine for the fishermen and the zealots. Fine. I don't want my money guy thinking that's good. That's expensive perfume. And so the money guy's back there going, that's a waste of money. I, that's what we want. Can you imagine what a good financial guy would say at the feeding of the 5,000? Who's, who's going to finance this? That's what he would say. Who's, we don't have this in the budget. We're not doing this. That's a good financial guy. Not this reckless, ah, God will take care of it. Not like my two Chinese friends. Didn't you prepare for this? 
Didn't you financially plan for this? Yeah, we have $2. That's their planning. And it was enough. So Judas is over here. Ah, why is he wasting that? Why is she wasting that perfume on Jesus' feet? Oh my gosh. That money could be given to the poor and I could take 10% of it. Man, what is... <laughs> That's what you want your money guy doing. If he's in charge of the money, we don't want him giving expensive gifts to people. We want him collecting money and saving money. And we want him to have a television show about money. And we want him to have a, a whole thing about money, like come learn about money and how to steward money. We need that guy. We like him. He's a good guy. He's quiet. He's calculating. He's back there like this. Here's Peter. Peter's a whole different kind of person. He's a fisherman. He's a man's man. He's a leader. And he's brash. He's like, I'm the best. I'm better than all of these. He's that kind of person. We don't like that kind of person, do we? This guy, what do you do? I save money. I, I, have a, I plan for the future. I like you. What are you? I'm better than you, I'll tell you that. I don't like you. I don't like this guy. That's Peter. Everyone will leave Jesus. I won't. Everyone will deny you. I won't. I don't care if the Romans come. I will not. I will fight for you. That's, this guy's loud. He's brash. He's brave. But he's kind of annoying. You're not touching my money, by the way. Give my, I'm giving my money over here to Judas. And so these guys are walking around with Jesus, and they're watching this thing unfold. Is this the Messiah? Like, they're trying to figure this out. They're just humans. And Jesus scares them. I mean, they like him, and then that was terrifying. Did you see what he just did? Who, and this is what they always say. Who is this guy? I love when they do that. We thought he, who is he? Do you ever, do you ever have that mystery with God in your own life? Like, no, I got him figured out. That's how we are. I got him figured out. I know what he does. No mystery there for me. I got it all figured out. You're messed up. <laughs> Don't tell him that because he'll scare you. He will. I got, I got the Bible figured. I got it figured out. I got it figured out. Wow, I dare you. Come with us. Come with us somewhere. It's like, here's, here's how I figured out they had him. Peter, well, all you guys, tell me something that really scares you. What is it? And they're like, oh, okay. Um, Samaritans. All right, let's go. Where? The Samaritans. Why? Didn't you say they scare you? Yeah. Well, let's go. Do you like them? No, we hate them. Now we really have to go. And that's what he does. Every time he asks them a question and they say what they're afraid of, he's like, let's go. What if... Jesus was walking around in here asking each of you what you're afraid of, and as soon as you said it, you would, he would say, let's go. What would you do? I'd stop confessing. I would. They do. They're like, what are you guys afraid of? Nothing. Nope. Mm -mm. They become fearless. Why? Because every time they're afraid of something, we're going. Let's go do it. What was Jesus concerned about? Being separated from God. What did God say to Jesus? Let's go. Let's go into death. Jesus is like, is there another way? But not my will. Yours be done. Your greatest, the greatest part of your identity and who you are in this world is just beyond your greatest fear. I promise you. And to go through that fear, you have, I don't care if you believe in God or don't, to get through that fear, you must tell the truth about it and die to it. 
You must, or you will always be afraid of it. And it will own you. Fear owns you. And whatever you're afraid of runs your life. Man, this world. Man, in this world. We need a king that's alive right now, that's here every day. Not when we die, he's there too. But now, and we've got to tell the truth. These two men, Peter and Judas, they're walking around with Jesus. They're watching him do stuff. They're observing him. Amazing things. People like him. But then it starts to fall apart. Then your team gets killed in Baghdad. That wasn't supposed to happen. And so, what, and Jesus starts talking about dying. No, I came to lay down my life. Then what is Judas thinking? What? He's going to lay down. How can I plan for that financially? Seriously. What's going to happen to the money when he dies? Because what happened? Peter's over here going, you ain't going to die. Oh, no. Uh-uh. We're not letting that happen. That's Peter's perspective. Judas is looking at it financially. Hmm, have we saved for this? Do I ha- will our retirement be affected by this? Hmm. Because a budget's a guideline. It's not a God. But it is to Judas. The budget is God. The money's God, not him. Peter's over here. No, I can't let that happen. And then he says things to Jesus like, you cannot go to Jerusalem. You cannot go to Jerusalem. You, here's what Peter's saying. That we must stop persecution of Christians. We must, must, must stop it, Jesus. We can't have this happen. You'll be falsely accused. They'll lie about you. And, I, and we can't let that happen. This war, God never intended for Christians to be persecuted. Did he? And so Peter's up in Jesus' face. Don't go to Jerusalem. It's a bad idea. The bad guys will win. And, and Judas is watching this. Peter's a loud mouth. Probably has no money. What? And, and, he, and, and he's screaming, Peter's screaming at Jesus. And here's what Jesus says to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Public rebuke of Peter, identifying him with Satan. Judas is smart. Wow, Jesus really intends to die. And to try and stop him is wrong. Hmm, what should I be doing? Maybe I can help him. Maybe I can gain out of what he obviously wants to do. And it says that Satan entered him or influenced him and he became deceived in what was occurring. Let me tell you something. We are so deceived in what's occurring in this world. We, are, we so misunderstand what's happening in this world because all we're asking is the internet and people and we're not asking the king. And we're afraid. I need someone to protect me. What about God? No, not him. I need someone now. I need someone to stop the bad guys now. God, what is, what's he going to do? And Judas is thinking that way. And he's thinking, maybe there's a way to financially work through this. Jesus can die. We'll make some money. And it'll be beautiful. Peter's over here. No, I'm going to stop it with my, I'm going to use force and I'm going to stop this from happening. I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to stop it. Both wrong, both influenced by Satan. Both men completely deceived. 
So then they come, so Judas puts his plan into gear. Like that. And Jesus is warning him. All right, go do what you're going to do. And it says Satan came and influenced him, and away he goes. What does, he, what does Judas do? He tries to make money on the arrest of Jesus. This is what it says, so that nobody gets hurt. I don't know. So they come to get him. Judas makes a little bank. Peter's over here. Here they come. Peter's like, I'll defend you. You know, grabs the sword because he, he's a fisherman. He's not a soldier. And so he does this number and he cuts the guy's ear off. You know, it's like, Jesus is like, really? What are you going to cut everyone's ear off one at a time and help save me? Like, that's it? At least hit him right here or something, his ear. Look, now he can only hear us from one side. Now that's great. I'm putting that back on. And Peter is humiliated again in front of everyone. Peter's just trying to defend Jesus, and he keeps getting shot down by Jesus. Stop doing that, Peter. Stop preventing what needs to happen. Don't tell God what the future is. Both men are projecting fear into a hypothetical future and living by it. Do we do that? You lay in bed at night and predict the future through fear. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. What? They're coming to get me. <laughs> me! That's how we think because our fear rules us. And the enemy's right there going, you are right on. You're exactly right. Have you read the internet lately? Get over there and verify what you fear. And we do. We're not asking God. What does he know? He's up there. I got the internet. I got to know now. And so they both fail. Both men fail. And Peter, in his fresh, I don't think Peter was afraid when he denied Jesus. I think he was hurt. I think he was like, I don't know that guy. I try and defend him. I watched Jesus defend himself in front of people. It was amazing. And now what's he doing? He's standing there being falsely accused and he's not saying one word. That must have drove Peter crazy. What is he doing? I was going to fight for him. He won't let me. He's just going to stand there and take this. He's weak. We need strong leaders. We don't forgiveness. We don't need that. We need strength and power. Remember Peter and John were like, the Samaritans insulted you. Kill them. That was their strategy. Carpet bomb them with angels. Go, Jesus. That's what they said. And Jesus is like, who are you talking about? Are you talking to me like I'm some earthly king? I am Emmanuel, God with us. I don't do what you do. I am other than you. I am God. I came to seek and to save the lost. Not kill people so you feel good. And so now Peter's watching Jesus just go like a lamb. What's he doing? And the girls, dude, he was with Jesus. I just think Peter's saying this. Not him. I don't know that guy. I don't know him. That's not the person I was with. I don't know him. And so they both, one betrays and one denies, and they both fail influenced by the enemy. The whole time, Jesus is saying, listen to what I'm telling you. No, I know, we know better than you. And it all falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. 
It's over. It was a nice three years. It's over. And they both realize they're wrong. And they both realize that they must confess. They must say the truth that they were wrong. Confession. Telling God the truth about what you really believe about him and yourself. Do you do that? That is our lifeline in the kingdom of God. That's our energy source in the kingdom of God. Confession and repentance. You telling God the truth about what you're afraid of, what you really believe, and repentance, him telling you the truth of the way it really is, and you walking in that new way. Free, unafraid. The world doesn't get better. You just know what's really happening and not what someone else is telling you. And it's like, That's what's happening here? Yes. Wow. Uh, That makes me not afraid. I know. Ask me, not them. And so what do they do? What do they do? They, Judas, he he knows he's wrong. It's not like he's this smug, ah, yeah, good, good, I made money on that. He's like, oh my gosh, I was wrong. And so he goes to confess. Where does he go to confess? To his religion. He goes to the high priest of his religion. And he, and he does what's unthinkable to him. He gives the money back. Do you know how hard that was for Judas? As much as we disparage him, he goes back, humbles himself to his religion, to the high priest and says, I was wrong. I was wrong. Here's the money back. I need redemption. He shouts to a man, to a human. And the human laughs at him. You're disgusting. And his religion cannot redeem him. And he is lost. And when he realizes, stick of the world today, how many people are doing things in their religion to gain some kind of redemption and it sends them straight to hell in every way. Who do you confess to? If you have the courage to confess, who do you confess to? Religion? There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Peter denies, he realizes he's wrong, he weeps. And he, does, he goes back to his old business. Oh, so I'm going back fishing. To this life. Shh, shh. This was fun. Didn't work out. Back to fishing. Unfortunately, he's a leader of men. His men go with him. Good or bad, he's a leader. Back to fishing, out on the boat one night, not catching any fish. That's how exciting that career has been for him. Not catching any fish. Yay, we're back to this life. This safe life, this safe, manageable life, we're back in it. Good, great. Now I don't have to, it's not risky. I don't have to run around trusting Jesus for stuff. I'm back in the old career where it's nice and boring out of my mind. Catch any fish. And Jesus stands on the shore. I love how he does this. In the vernacular, Jesus calls them boys. Like they're little, hey boys, have you caught anything? I think Jesus cracks up laughing. (laughs) Got anything back in that exciting (laughs) life? You're not even a good fisherman. And they're like, and John, because he's writing the book, so of course it's him. John says, and I, John the Beloved, recognized who it was. (laughs) 
None of the other books say that, except John. John, the beloved, who nobody calls John the beloved except John. Uh, oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a little nickname with Jesus. I was the beloved. Okay, that doesn't matter, but anyway. Inspired word of God forever because he said it. There it is forever. Beloved. But let me, let me tell you what Peter did wrong. John, when he's explain, talking about Peter, always, it's like, and, and John and Peter ran to the tomb, and John got there ahead of Peter. Really? Do you have to say that? Why? Is that necessary? The beloved is faster, you know. Anyway. So John says, it's the Lord. And Peter makes one of the greatest decisions of his life. He doesn't wait. He doesn't go, well, paddle the boat back over there. He jumps. He runs to the one where he can confess and be redeemed and transformed and move forward. And he gets with Jesus. And this is what Jesus does with Peter. It's so beautiful. This is what he wants to do with everybody in this room. Everybody in the whole world. He's looking at Peter and he says, Peter, let me ask you a question. Imagine Jesus doing this to you. Do you, he says in the Greek, agape me. Do you love me unconditionally? Because that's how Peter always talked. Do you love me more than everybody else, Peter? Are you the one that will never leave me? Are you the one? And Peter says, you know what? He's like, I can't catch fish, all right? I blew the whole thing. I denied you. You know what? I don't. I don't love you like that. Here's how I do love you. I love you like you're my brother. That's all I have. And Jesus is like, yes! Finally the truth. Now go and lead my people. Do you? Are you telling me you don't love me more than them and more than the beloved who's faster than you? You don't love me more than them? No, you don't? You're not going to defend me to the end. You're not going to rescue all people. No, no, Peter. No, no, no. I just love you like a brother. Lead on then. If you're going to tell the truth to me, lead on because I will always be with you in truth. Always. Peter, do you love me just like a brother? Yes. Peter's like her. You know my heart. Whoa. Come all the way down into my heart. And look. I do love you like a brother. And Jesus says, you are back, Peter. You are my rock. It's what you've always been. And when you failed me, you ran to me and you confessed to me. And I will tell you the truth. You are the leader. Lead them. Man, what would Jesus say to you if you told him the truth? If you said, this is what I believe. I don't think you're in charge in the world. I don't. I think we're losing. That's confession. I don't. Just like George's testimony. He's in the prison. He's got to tell the truth at some point. And when we speak truth, God responds in truth. I will rescue you. But I can only do it if you tell the truth, if you confess to me. Peter never says he's sorry. It's not the point. He tells the truth. That's what he does. Can you tell God the truth? One, one last thing. George made me think of this, and then I'm done. Six months ago, four months ago, we went into a state prison in Texas because, because 
the Muslims in the prison had started coming to a Bible study run by a 70-year-old widow lady. The leader of the Muslim gang in the prison came into the woman and said this to her. We want to be transformed like the people in this group, but we don't want to be part of the group. Is that possible? <laughs> and I'm not kidding. This lady is this tall. And the guy that asked her, asked her is a big, big guy, and she says, she just goes, of course. And then he says, okay, how does that work? And she goes, oh, I'll get back to you on that one. She didn't know. But what is she going to say to this guy? No, you have to be in my group. Oh, man, that's like the disciples used to be. No, it's just our group. No other, no one else in our group. Anyway, so she calls me and another guy, and she says, can you come into this prison and meet with the Muslim leader, gang leaders, and talk? I don't, they want to be in my group. We said to her, do you realize it's because God is with you? Do you understand that? It's not us. We won't have anything to do with it. It's because God is with you. Lady and the most unlikely person to put in a federal prison, in a state prison, among life offenders, sex offenders, and everything else. This lady? Like when she goes through the check, the guards are like, oh yeah, you're clear to go in. <laughs> She's unafraid in this place. So anyway, so it's because of you. And so we go in there, and, and I go in to meet with the Muslim group that's allowed to come sit with me, and I start we start talking together. And they're telling me what's happening, and I said, what do you consider transformed? The, the Muslim guys are like, these men in this group over here, they're different than everyone else in this prison. But it's, it's not something that they can fake. It's real. We can tell it's real. We want the same thing. We just don't want to be in their gang. Like, how many gangs does God have? He has lots of gangs. He's got gangs everywhere. You don't have to be in their gang. But, you're, but Jesus has to be in your gang. Right? That's the point, isn't it? And they're like, okay. And so we start talking about what that is. And I said, who's the leader? Oh, he's in solitary confinement. Oh. Okay. Can we get to the leader? I asked the guards, can you bring me the leader? Yeah, we can bring you the leader. They bring the leader in. He comes in. And he, like, he's an American Arab this guy. He was U.S. Special Forces overseas. Really well-known guy, actually. Got into some trouble, and now he's doing time in prison. Long time. He comes in, he sits down, and this guy was raised in prep schools his whole life. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's a decorated war veteran, and here he is, and he's a Muslim. He's an American Arab and he sits down, and he's intimidating, as intimidating a person as there can be. I'm pretty sure if he got upset, it would have been, I don't, it would have been terrible. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't have time to tell you everything I said. I'm going to talk about Friday, about how this went. But I'm, I keep looking at him, and, and he, he's talking about the Quran. I'm talking about Jesus. And I, kept, I looked at him, and I said, tell me, I want you, I want you I'm challenging you. If you're the leader, say to the group what you're most afraid of. Say it to the group. I'm asking him to confess. Confession is the lead into repentance. Confession brings in God's spirit like a wind. 
Tell the truth. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. Liar. Nobody can say that. I'm like, I didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't want to get up. You know. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> so, that in my mind, I screamed it. But I was thinking, ah! And so we did a little more talking. Quran, Bible. Come on, just tell, tell the group. Tell these men. Be brave. Tell them what you're most afraid of. He said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say something like that in front of these people. Why? Why? I don't, I don't know. We read the story of Peter and Judas. I said, both of these men don't know the truth. Both of these men are deceived on how they perceive the future. One of them tells the truth to his religion, like a Muslim to Islam, or a Christian to a priest or something. And one of them tells the truth to Jesus, to God. This one turns out to be a leader of men. This one commits suicide. Which one are you going to be? Because it looks like you're this one. Which are you, this is the power of the gospel, by the way. This. Which one are you going to be? I think you're a leader of men. He's, this guy's obviously a leader of men. But the enemy is killing him because he doesn't believe in the enemy. What kind of soldier doesn't believe in the enemy? Oh, I don't believe in the enemy. I'm agnostic towards the enemy. Well, good, because they just killed you. So, good luck. So I said, I said, do you want to be Peter or Judas? And he got upset. He's like, I, I want to be like this Peter. And suddenly the Gospels are jumping out at him. The Spirit of God is moving like this, and he can feel it from the power of the Word. And he goes, I want to be like Peter. Then tell these guys what you're afraid of. Say it out loud. Confess it before them. Okay, I'm afraid of drug addiction. How long have you been in prison? Ten years. He's been in prison ten years without any drugs. He said, I know the day I go out, I'm going right back and I can't get free. I can't beat this one. I can't beat this enemy. And I'm terrified. He just says it in front of his guys and they're like, he's not afraid of anyone. He's afraid of himself. And so he projects a lie. All of us do this. God will not have it. Tell the truth, be free. Tell the truth, be free. He says it to the whole group. And he looks at me and he says, can you free me from that fear? And I said, no, 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 no. But Jesus can. And you know when he can do it? Now. Not when you're dead. Now. You need to lead these guys in over here to be transformed with this lady. And that's what's happening. That's what they need. And you can lead them into transformation. You're the Muslim leader of this gang in this prison. You can lead your people straight to Jesus. Starting tonight, we're having a service in the gym. He's like, I don't know. And so then I had to, they made me leave. I come back at 7 o'clock at night. 400 men in the gym. And I'm standing at the door shaking hands. These guys coming in. And the service starts. I'm like, ah. And then the, one of the guards comes over to me and says, do you have a problem if the Muslims come into this thing? And I'm like, no. Do you? He's like, well, we've never had them come in. So I don't know. I said, if it's okay with you, I would love to have them come in. He's like, all right. <laughs> First one through the door, the leader. The lead guy, he comes walking in, and all the Christian guys are like, what's this gang doing in here? It's like the Jews going, what are the Gentiles doing in here all of a sudden? Who let them in? Jesus. Who invited them? The king. 
And they come in, all of them. The whole group. They come walking in, they go to the very back row, and they stand in the back, and they all sit down. When he sits down, when he moves, they all move. The lead guy. And, and, and all the Christian guys are like, is this going to be a fight? What is happening here? Because they've never seen... This is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This. This. These men in the same room, they hate each other, but something has transformed them. What? Confession to the king of the kingdom who will take your confession and transform it into repentance, a new way of living. This is the way we're going to have service in the jail from now on. And they start... And so the, the, the band is like... And the lady's up in the front. And I'm like trying to get her attention because I can't see her. I'm in the back. And, I, and she finally looks at me and she's like this. I'm like, tell the band to play. And so they play the very first song. Jesus. I'm like, wow, that's pretty heavy handed. Okay, here we go. He's my Lord and Savior. Like, wow, straight to it. Here we go. And, and all the Christian guys stand up and they're raising their hands like this in the back row. The Muslims who believe Jesus is only a prophet, not Lord, not Savior. But the leader suddenly thinks, maybe he's more powerful than my drug addiction. If he's really a king. And so he stands up and he does this. And the band's like. And one by one, the gang stands up because he did it. Tell the truth. Lead my sheep. I'm I'm asking you, I'm asking you this week, this week, tell the truth. Come to the king and just tell the truth. I don't believe in you. Show me different. Lead me in in another way. Because if you want peace in this world, if you want to beat what's out there killing us, this has to happen. That prison, those, those Muslim guys in that prison, as they came to Christ one by one because of their leader, they decided to ask for transfers to other prisons in Texas. You know why? Because they thought, we've got to spread this word. They decided that. Who, who, who helped them with that? The king. The king himself. Christ, our king. The risen one. The risen one. He doesn't need us. He's not afraid. Come to him. Come to him. Father, thank you for these people. Christ Almighty, King of glory. Lord, you didn't hesitate to go to the cross for me, for these people, for those Muslim guys in the prison, for all of us. You didn't hesitate. Lord, I'm asking tonight that you would move among us And Lord, would you just draw us to speak the truth to you in confession? I confess, I am lost. I am losing this thing. This is not good. I'm tired of trying. Lord, energize me with your power, the resurrected power of Christ. And Lord, transform us, lead us into the new way. We pray in Jesus' name.